fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday, starting off a whole new week, my friends, setting the tone for an entirely another week as we move through the month of February, February, right (laughs) now on the show. And apparently with the Groundhog last week saying that we're not going to have a late, uh, late winter. It's already in the Mid-America region here. I'm based out of in Wichita, Kansas, already like 60 degrees. So we are enjoying some nice weather. We are enjoying a little bit of sun, which is decent, although I could have taken some winter for a little bit longer, but we'll see how the year goes. Oh, how the times change. Global warming, I'm telling you, at its best. Welcome into the program. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to cram as much as we can in. Bottom of this hour, we have Alan Beal. New guest on the program. He is the president and CEO of Armed Forces Brewing Company. <laughs> I know. We're going to talk beer and stuff. It's going to be great, man. So strap in. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, we can always have a little beer talk on a Monday. Why the heck not? Just continue on the uh, weekend, right? Obviously, Joe Biden does it on a regular basis. It's totally okay. So we'll get with him. At the bottom of the hour, we have the immigration bill. We'll obviously talk about that. Is all the rage in the mainstream media right now. Uh, so we'll get to that here in just a minute. You can find us, by the way, all over our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, and our website at HoosierReason.com. Our newsletter did come out today, a little bit of a different newsletter. I usually write about a topical issue today. It was kind of more of a personal blog that I had written over the weekend, spending some time with Little Voice of Reason. So if you're not subscribed to our newsletter then you can just go to the website at HoosierReason.com. It'll pop up and say, do you want to be a Hoosier-holic? And you say, yes, absolutely, I do. Type in your email and you can sign up. Uh, You can also read our blog that is on the website as well, and you can read through all of them that we've had. The latest one that came out today, it will also be an op-ed piece out of our partners over at OpsLens that help us stream the video all over the interweb, all over the country, and all over the world. So we always appreciate them. They also pick up that blog as an op-ed piece. For them, interesting piece on how... The not only the education system, but the mainstream media and Hollywood continues to go after our children and how far back that assault on the young generation actually goes and did what they did back then. Is that curbing the public opinion about current issues and political parties and individuals in today's time? So kind of an interesting topic. Haven't really written about much of that lately. So uh, definitely happy about that one. Also, I have to say, not to toot my own horn, but I was pretty happy about our weekend syndicated program as well. Firing at all cylinders. Had it some couple great guests on the show. Again, if you missed that, you can go to the website and find the link to the podcast. You can also find The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. We are there. We have this weekday program. We have our local show that I do here in the Wichita area Saturday mornings and our nationally syndicated show on there. So you can see really seven different days worth of programming on there for the podcast for you to enjoy. All right. We have a lot to talk about today. So let's jump right into our what's trending. I get what's trending. What was trending. Let's reframe that. What was trending. I tried. I really tried to get with the times. You know, we're a younger crowd. We're trying to appeal to a younger demographic of talk radio, obviously. So I try to stay hip and try and stay with the pop culture. I I knew or recognized maybe I could count on one hand the number of bands that were at the Grammys. 
<laughs> now, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a little bit, and then I was like, yeah, okay, click, all done. I can't do it anymore. So I tried. I really tried. I gave it an A for effort. But do we have to have the same people win over and over and over again? Do we have to have the same artists win all the Grammys over and over again? Andy, they're really good. I would differ from that. I would argue that they're really not. Obviously, Taylor Swift was the big hit there. She won another Oscar for her al- her new album and announced another new album coming out as well, probably about how much she's going to hate Travis Kelsey when they finally break up. Who knows what the situation will be? Which, by the way, I have to give credit to the media. I don't even know if he was there. Was he there? I did not see him at all. And you would think with how much they've been painting to her during the NFL games, they would be painting to him during the Grammys to be there supporting his girlfriend or fiance, whatever the hell they are right now, that they'd have tons of pictures of those two together. He would be in the crowd supporting her. I don't remember seeing any of that. Maybe he wasn't there because he's getting ready for the big game coming up this weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know, but I was honestly shocked and surprised. And I I congratulate you, media, for not making that the major talking point, at least that I heard. But outside of not caring about Taylor Swift winning another best album of the year, I was scrolling through the winners because, like I said, I only turned it on for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, it breaks my brain a little bit. So I turned it off and I really don't recognize a whole lot. And shockingly, for like the 18th, 20th, 200th time, for the best metal performance, of course, had to be Metallica. That's about as hard as they ever go. I will throw it out there that as the metalhead who enjoys things that are way harder than Metallica is, Metallica is the girly rock that gets you started for the day, not what ends you at the day when you crank it up to dial 11. That I, I, I Look, Metallica's great, that's fine, but come on, man. Come on. Shouldn't there be like a statute of limitations on these things where you can just like cap it off and then actually have new bands start winning things and diversify a little bit? There are, for those that are vaguely interested or vaguely of an understanding of the metal genre there are so many subgenres out there that it makes your face hurt a little bit too with how many there are and paramore that's the best rock album are you kidding me really paramore really that's why i can't watch them it's too mainstream i just pretty much if it's mainstream if it's middle of the road if it's something that the general population usually likes then it's something that i probably don't like i'm just throwing which <laughs> that's not good for trying to appeal to the most of the largest crowd that i can but if it's if it's mainstream and everybody's like oh my god i, I usually can't do it usually can't do it this may be very controversial but the beatles sorry i can't can't do the beatles just can't do it too mainstream for me. I don't like it. Although I will give them credit because they kind of started the, uh, at least they were contributing to the rock genre that has led to the metal industry that it is today. So that's my take on it. I tried to watch it. There was a lot of symbolism in it, as usual. There was a lot of weird performances. There was a lot of people that I have no clue who the heck they are because I'm totally out of touch with uh, pop culture and the pop entertainment industry and the pop music of today. I have no clue who half those bands are. Metallica is like the only name that ever pops up for rock and metal. And I'm like, yeah, okay, nothing's really changed. And then I move on about my day. So that was about it. That's all I wanted to say about the Grammys. I don't know if you watched it or not either, but hopefully, maybe we could see some things change later on. All right, let's get into really what's trending what's here, shall we? What's trending today? Obviously, all the rage today is the immigration bill, where details are finally starting to come out. Not the entire legislation as of yet is coming out, but at least we're getting little tidbits. The breadcrumbs are being dropped for us to try and pick up and understand what's going on here. And thank goodness, thank you. Can we say thank you to Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House? Can we say thank you and applaud you for what you're doing? Because 
Oh, yeah, because if this were a Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House right now, we would have this immigration bill coming to the floor of the House, voted on with his endorsement on it, partnering with Mitch McConnell. You have to remember that Kevin McCarthy was one of those middle-of-the-road establishment-type individuals that worked very closely with Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell has endorsed this bill tenfold. He thinks that this is great. Now, him and Chuck Schumer apparently have gotten along wonderfully during this conversation, trying to find harmony, because they think that the American people really want the partisanship to go away and for us to just hold hands, sing Kumbaya, move forward together with Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. And they want all of us to get along just to get something done. And while that may be vaguely true to actually get something done, we don't want a uniparty in Washington, D.C., which is what this is turning out to be. Because more details that are coming out of this bill, it is showing that we have absolute leadership failure in the Senate and in Republican Party right now. Now, except for Mike Johnson, who says this is dead on arrival, he's seen enough, he doesn't want any more to do with it, and he's absolutely over it. According to ABC News, he sent out the tweet on uh, earlier today saying, quote, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. As the lead Democrat, uh, Democrat negotiator proclaimed, under this legislation, the border never closes. If this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival. They go on to say him along with Steve Scalise, the House Majority Leader, saying, quote, let me be clear. This is also on the Tweety. The Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the House. Here's what the people's uh, pushing this deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients and magnet for more illegal immigration. Hold on. Wait a second. So the... 250,000 that we saw come in for the month of December. We haven't gotten January's numbers yet, but 250,000 that came in for the month of December. The 2.5 million that came in for the year of 2023, and the near 10 million that came in throughout the entire Biden administration for the last three years, three and a half years, would get automatic work visas, green visas, to stay here as amnesty that somehow is not going to intrigue more people to come here and do the exact same thing again. 10 million people just, boom, welcome. You're now legally allowed to stay in the United States and then say that, well, we're going to allow 5,000 more per day. I've heard even up to like 85 or 7,500 a day before we actually start closing the border. And the closing the border is only purview to the president that says that that would only be at a time when there is a catastrophe or a disaster or an emergency at the southern border that deems the closing of the southern border. And that's why Joe Biden's pushing this bill. Chuck Schumer says that he has 99 problems. One of those are not Mitch McConnell working along with him on this bill. What I will say is thank you to the fact that James Lankford's name is not being associated with this bill, at least right now. Now, he was one of the co-authors of this that's been working on it for months, for months. And as you know, we have James, Lang uh, James Lankford, senator from Oklahoma, on this program often. And we have not had him on the program since before the holidays when they started working on this. But I have been in contact with his office multiple times talking about it as they say, well, he doesn't have time to chat right now for the interview because he's working on this legislation. But since this has come out, this has not been a Lankford Schumer bill. This has been a McConnell Schumer bill, which begs the question, where did James Lankford go in this conversation? Because I what look. James Lankford may have some flaws, and I don't always agree with everything that he does, but I think he's a relatively good conservative. Overall, I would give him about an 80 to 85% conservative view. He's got some issues that I don't agree with, obviously, 
But I would say that overall he's pretty decent. And for a guy who's been at the border so many times, for the times that we've talked to him on this program, really for the last year almost, and almost every time we've chatted with him, immigration has been top of mind on his uh, radar wanting to fix this issue. I have a very hard time accepting the fact that he would come out with this type of bill. If he did, then shame on him. If all of these numbers and all this information about what's being leaked about this bill is true, shame on him. But I don't think so. You want to know my theory? My theory is he began working on this bill months ago, and he had a great idea to actually solve the issue, or at least work towards solving the issue. He was the one that also presented the bill that would be the Government Shutdown Prevention Act, not allowing the Democrats to bully us into accepting a major omnibus package, or else we shut down the government and everybody dies and it's all going to be horrible in the streets, We're right? We're all going to die because of you! Yeah, that's, that's the same guy, and that's a great bill, and I support that bill, and I hope that that actually goes through. My theory is that he started working on this bill, and it became such a big bill after working on it for months and months and months. That leadership walked in and said, you know what, we'll take it from here. Thank you very much, James Lankford. Mitch McConnell came in to be the head negotiator with Chuck Schumer because, by golly, we're going to find something that we can all agree on, that we can show uniform here, unity among both parties, and show that we can get something major done, and that they booted James Lankford out of this negotiation. And obviously, Mr. Sleepy Mitch McConnell ended up taking over that negotiation, and we can see where we're at today. And all I can say is Mike Johnson... Thank you for standing firm. Steve Scalise, thank you for standing firm and saying this bill is dead on arrival because this is absolutely absurd what's being leaked out of what entails of this bill. We'll do some more of that when we come back. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. 24 minutes past the hour. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the Voice of Reason. It is a Monday and so much to cover here on the program. This immigration bill is an absolute disaster. How do you work for months on a bill to come out with this? This is the happy medium. I always ask what the question is, where do you stand as a moderate? Like, what does moderate actually mean? Uh, How are you a moderate? Conservatives want zero illegal immigrants. Democrats want open borders. So you're in the middle of like, oh, yeah, 5,000 a day. That seems reasonable. Just over a million in an entire year just to allow to walk into the country and just do whatever illegally. So if someone's actually trying to go through the legal process, then to hell with them. We're just going to let someone walk in and just automatically, boom, get a green card. You're good to go. Like, (laughs) how is that a moderate position? I don't understand. And this is the best that Republicans do to compromise. This is what blows my mind is that that's how if that's your argument for let's work middle of the road and find compromise in the happy medium, then we have a seriously different definition of what leadership actually looks like. Thank goodness that we're seeing the House representatives laugh at this. Absolutely laugh at it. Mike Johnson, yeah, dead on arrival. Steve Scalise, there's no way that this will even be brought up as a vote on the House, on the House floor. Thank goodness. Even Mike Lee on the Senate side. Saying that, quote, it feels like an elaborate practical joke, but it's not funny. Not one bit, according to his post on the Tweety, according to TheHill.com. Where are we when it comes to leadership here? Because this is insane. It includes $20 billion into immigration and border patrol down the southern border, which, as we've talked to numerous different border patrol agents, 
And just over the weekend, we had Chris Clem, a retired chief Border Patrol agent that was down in the Yuma, Texas area. He was in studio with us here in Wichita just a couple days ago and told us straight up, yeah, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the resources that we have to apply it where it needs to be applied. It's the structure. It's the orders coming down from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., they don't care. That's why it boggles my mind why James Lankford, senator from Oklahoma, would be part of something like this. And I don't think that he actually contributed as much as what he wanted to. He probably started the process. Leadership and Mitch McConnell walked in there and said that he was going to take over as leadership. They wanted to find something that was harmonious, sing, uh, sing kumbaya, hold hands, and be able to create an immigration bill. That's an absolute disaster. So what's the next step? Because now we're going to get the argument, the feel-good argument from the, from the Democrats and from the establishment in D.C. as well. We worked really hard on this. This is the bill. It took us months to craft this. We hashed out all of our differences. We found a happy compromise in between. You have to pass it, and anyone that doesn't like it is now a radical and a fringe radical right-wing Republican. That's The media is already calling that, that the, the fringe right, the fringe right, the hard right, the hardliner right Republicans, they're the ones stopping this bill in the House of Representatives. So the, the blame is already beginning because we're saying that we don't want one illegal immigrant to come in every day as opposed to let alone 5,000 or 7,500, whatever report that you're looking at right now, that we don't want any of them to come in illegally. And to now, to in today's standards, while they control the dialogue, they control the messaging, they're the ones that get to pass the blame and say whose fault it is for something not happening. Now, that we're the ones that get blamed because we're the hardliners saying that that's a radical position. Yeah, I let that one sink in for just a moment. That's a that's a radical position for us to say we don't want a single illegal alien to walk through the gates in the southern border and then just automatically get a green card because this bill allows the twenty billion to go towards the border patrol, then five thousand immigrants a day, and for the ten million that's happened over the Biden administration, the two and a half million that came through for the month of twenty twenty three alone, and for the three hundred three hundred fifty thousand that came through in the month of December alone last year, that all of them, boom, just like that, magically all get work visas to stay in the country while they try to shorten the time for a court hearing for these migrants to down to six months. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's six months or whether it's six years. How many of them, show of hands, do you actually think a single one of them will be showing up to their court date when then it's time for them to show up to decide whether they get to stay here or whether we move them back down? And if we have to deport them and move them out, do you really think they're going to show up? Oh, no. And what kind of resources do we have to go and track them down? What a disaster. Four months. Four months. And this is what you come out with. This is the best you got. Leadership in the GOP, man, I'm telling you, elections have consequences. we got to do something pretty drastic. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or check us out. We always love you to death. Highly recommend you check out and subscribe to the podcast. These shows along with our weekend syndicated show, along with our local program here in the Wichita, Kansas area. All get uploaded on there every single day. So you really have seven days of content. 
no matter what, you always get some more. You can never get enough of the voice of reason, can you? That's okay. Welcome back into it. So we'll get back to the immigration issue here in just a moment. It is hilarious watching some of the tweets from Mike Lee, from Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, from Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that essentially any Republican that votes for this has been bought and paid for, from uh, Steve Scalise, he went on a tirade on there, and uh, so many others. It's hysterical to watch these because while they're calling it the hard right-liners, the hard the hard Republicans that are going against this, it's like every Republican that I know is out there saying, yeah, no, this is this bill's ridiculous. And if that's the best you have after months of negotiation and hashing out details, that's the best you got? The weird part is you're so proud of it, is too. You're so happy. We did it! We did it! We did it! Yay! Oh, man, I tell you what. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? I am excited with our next guest here. So, as you know, we're in a battle right now economically. We're in a almost segregated society with who to support, who not to support, what message, what values do certain companies have across the country. And it's hard sometimes to support certain businesses that have the best uh, mindset, the best values, and support the best things that you possibly can. Bud Light, prime example of that. And while it may be a Monday, I still think that it's time to talk about some adult beverages because I'm really happy to have this guy on the program. He's the CEO of Armed Forces Brewing Company. I know! Excited to have him on here, Alan Beal. Alan, what's going on, brother? How are you? Andy, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Welcome into it. Happy 2024. I am so glad that we have uh, businesses like yours and, and what you guys are doing, supporting armed forces, supporting good values, because that's hard to find. And it's it's working because nowadays if someone get, gets caught with a Bud Light, then uh, you start thinking about it a little <laughs> bit differently. Well, we, we love America. We love the Constitution. We love the Second Amendment. We especially love our military members, both veterans and active duty. And our law enforcement officers are our first responders, and we just love capitalism, and we love beer. Yeah. Great American beer. Great American beer. Talk about how you guys got this one started. Where did this all come from? <clears throat> well, it started off as Seawolf Brewery. I, I ended up moving to Annapolis, Maryland to to actually develop the, the concept. Uh, we were going to make beer that craft beer that attributed the, na- the Naval Academy, Navy Service, and uh, when we put it out on social media and and, and launched uh, one beer, we had we had active duty and, and veterans from all over practically the world getting a hold of us and saying, "Well, where's our beer? The Marines? Where's our beer? The Army? Where's our beer? <laughs> the Air Force? Where's our beer?" That's great. <laughs> so we kind of had to we had to go back to the drawing board and create Armed Forces Brewing Company and put it all under one umbrella. Ooh, I like it. So I'm assuming you have a different style or different flavor of beer for each one of the Armed Force branches, don't you? Yeah, we're we're making beer that tributes to service within each branch. Like uh, our first beer was a tribute to the Navy SEALs. Uh, Robert J. O'Neill, who killed Osama bin Laden from SEAL Team 6, is a mm. partner in the company. So we led with that uh, beer, and we've got a, a several other beers. We've got a Grunt Double IPA that tributes the infantry soldier, and and we've got um, um, a Black Hops beer. Just great names, 
great can design, and we got an award-winning brewmaster, and we're making beer that tributes all the branches and the service members. That's amazing. So. That's amazing. I love it. It took me, i got to be honest, it took me a while to get into the craft beers like that. I've always been one growing <laughs> up. It was always, you know, the, the bush or the cores or that sort of stuff that we that we grew up with. And over the last couple of years, I have branched off into the micro brews and, and some of these types of beers, and I absolutely love it. No longer do you have to drink something that, you know, not to knock them or anything, but, you know, it's just you have to go through a half a case to kind of feel the effects, you know what I mean, to actually just enjoy <laughs> something like this. So uh, I, I think this is uh, this is really cool to see what you guys are doing. Well, it's pretty well. We're, we're, uh, we're a craft beer company uh, by, by uh, definition, but we're actually playing in the market space with the big domestics like yeah. Budweiser and Miller. Um, our preamble, we the people light session lager is at 4.2 ABV. That's that that is an alternative to Bud Light and, and Miller Light. Yeah. So and that, that's our top selling beer. That's pretty incredible. I love it. Did you see? Did you see kind of a change in the beer industry as a whole when the whole Bud Light story broke out? You know, a year or so ago, whenever that was. And did you see kind of a transition of priorities on what people were buying at that time? Absolutely. I think. Gosh, I think we shot up. Um, when that when that fiasco happened, I think we shot up over five hundred percent in sales. <laughs> <clears throat> We're still up two hundred and sixty four percent. But I mean, we we captured some market share wow. in the states we're distributed in. That's amazing. That is really good. We're talking with yep. Alan Beal. He's with Armed Forces Brewing Company. You can find him online at armedforcesbrewingco.com, and you can check out all all the information there. Uh, in the industry as well, outside of seeing the change with people rebelling against something like Bud Light, the wokeness that you're seeing from corporations, the ESG, the push for diversity and inclusion and all this other stuff that uh, that many companies are starting to just how they function, just how they form their their entity of running their business. Has that been a challenge for you guys with uh, with the government trying to crack down on you to try and perform the same way? Well, we we have... Obviously, we have employees in the company, and we also have an, an advisory board of veterans that advise us on beer styles and weapons of war and, you know, all, all the, the, the uh, military traditions as well. And our, our uh, representation of DEI is our advisory board doesn't have a Coast Guard or a Space Force. Space Force Ooh. representative on it yet. <laughs> there we go. You need to have some type of ET Space Force beer. I, I think that's the next we, one. <laughs> there you go. We, we need a we need a member. <laughs> we got to be DEI compliant and get a member of the Space Force or, or the Coast Guard on our advisory board. <laughs> that's right. I like that. I like that. Where are you guys distributed out? Where where can people find your your stuff? So right now we're in eight states. We just bought our own brewing facility in, in Norfolk, Virginia, the largest military community in the country. Uh, so we're in eight states. We're in uh, um, Virginia and Maryland and uh, Florida and uh, South, launching in South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee. We're going to make our way over uh, out to Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, where you guys are at, Oklahoma, yeah. and get back into Texas. I mean, we're on a national plan with the with uh, uh, the Army Air Force exchange stores and, and Navy exchange stores. We're in Walmart with Dixie, Sam's Club, Publix, a whole bunch of chains. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so not only is it going to be accessible to the veterans on the campus uh, or on the, on the bases for military yeah. men and women, but it's going to be all over the place for everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, uh, 
like I said, we just bought our own brewing facility. We've been contract brewing out of, out of a, a large production facility in Florida. But we got our own brewing facility now, thanks to our shareholders in the company. Uh, we raised about $7.5 million uh, by selling our stock. And uh, uh, we've got uh, close to 10,000 shareholders. Uh, 95% of them are active duty and, and uh, veterans and come from military families. Wow, that's so, amazing. We're growing that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely growing it. So here's the big question. With each one of these beers that you have for each one of the service branches, is the alcohol content the same in all of them, or do you have ones stronger based on the military branch? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) They're all different ABVs. We've got our grunt double IPAs, 9.5 ABV. Mm. You know, that that grunt military, uh, Marine, or or, uh, uh, Army soldier. Um, We've got a beer coming out on the the anniversary of, of the Bin Laden raid, called uh, Neptune Beer, and it's it's 13.0 ABV. Wow. So we've got a wide range from 4.2 all the way up to, to 13 right now. I love it. Is it coincidence, <laughs> or is there a reason on why one's stronger than the other based on which beer it is? <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we do take that into account. Um, <laughs> I love it. I, I, love I, it. I, I didn't serve, so I, I can't. I don't want to bash, uh, you know. No, no, uh, we just have to, uh, there, I know they like to have that, their healthy competition. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that Coast Guard beer might be a little lighter. <laughs> that, there we go. That's <laughs> fantastic. Of them, you know, that Space Force beer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which one personally, which one is your favorite? What do you, what do you like to enjoy? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say this and, and I, I know people are going to think I'm biased because I, you know, I'm an owner in the company, but we got, a brewmaster that has won the Maryland governor's cup for brewing excellence. He's a 25 year veteran of the beer industry. And we just don't have a terrible beer in the whole portfolio right now. He's making great beer along with his production and brewing team. And it's just, I I like all of them. I mean, you can't beat preamble on a hot day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that anytime, any day beer. It is. It really is, especially going into the spring and summertime. Things are going to start warming up, and that's going to be the yeah. perfect time for you to enjoy one of these as one of those refreshers and to get your feel goods on as we go into an election season as well. So I am excited about yeah. this. It's Alan Bill. It is the Armed Forces Brewing Company. Check them out online, armedforcesbrewingco.com. Uh, one more time, Al, we got about 30 seconds left here for, uh, for the segment, but sure. where can people find this stuff if they want to look into it? What they should, what they need to do is go to www.ownarmedforcesbrewingco.com. They, the, you can, you, anyone in America can invest in our company for just two hundred bucks and become an owner of our company. Um, they can also go to our, the website and they can find, um, they can actually order our beer online and have it shipped. Um, to their to their front doorstep as well. All over the place. I love it. I love it. Congratulations yeah. with you guys with expanding, and I want to see it all over the country. This is amazing, Alan. I appreciate it. Let's get you back on the show again real soon and chat some more. Andy, thanks so much. Thank you so much, man. Hey, appreciate it. There it is, Alan Beal, Armed Forces Brewing Company. Go check them out. Be an owner. Invest into it and go check it out and have it shipped right to you as well. I think a perfect Valentine's gift. What do you think? Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here on the program. I enjoyed immensely the conversation with Alan Beal. Armed Forces Brewing Company, good stuff. Like to showcase the different businesses that support the same values that we have. Supporting the military, supporting the pro-American values, and it's much needed. Uh, the great alternatives for what we see from you know, Bud Light or those, which they're trying to bring their brand back, but I don't know if it's going to work. They recently signed a massive deal with the UFC and the Ultimate Fighting, trying to bring back their image of masculinity and trying to, you know, get back to the good old boys, which what they were pandering to. And then all of a sudden they had their weird message of we're going to appeal to a different crowd that wasn't the good old boys and the rednecks and uh, the country folk across the country uh, drinking a Bud Light. And they just completely walked away from those and tried to go towards the new woke stuff, and it didn't work. So now they're trying to get back. I don't know that it will work uh, with their rebranding, but we shall see. We'll see how that one goes, but I hope that these guys with Armed Forces Brewing do well. Uh, real quickly, with the immigration stuff, we did see, according to Breitbart News, there is a new article regarding James Lankford. I had mentioned that I I think that James Lankford kind of had a lot of this taken out of his control. He initiated the conversation. He was the main negotiator. But now they're calling this the McConnell and Schumer bill, not the Lankford Schumer bill. So how much did he actually have influence on? I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. We've had him on the show many times. I think he's a great, uh, for the most part, good conservative out of Oklahoma. I love having him on the show, and we will get him on to talk about the details of this bill. But according to Breitbart News that was just recently released, that there was a newsletter or a statement that was released from Senator Lankford's office yesterday evening asking for positive statements about the bill so that they could help promote it. According to the Sunday night email to the recipients, says, quote, if you and or your group agrees that this policy could help at the border today and give the next administration helpful tools to use, please feel free to share a statement of support with our team that we can amplify. Apparently, this is an internal email. They go on to say that, that among provisions at the Langford staff house is, quote, a new emergency authority that shuts down the border and deports everyone crossing the border if the number of illegal crossings does not fall. They say the authority will make sure illegal crossings dramatically and quickly decrease. I don't know about this. This is weird. If this is James Langford's attempt of saying this is a great bill. Now, it says, at least in the letter, that this is setting up an immigration policy for the next administration. And the anticipation that we're going to see a Donald Trump back into office. And the anticipation that we're going to see a Republican majority in Congress. That the president will have the authority to shut down the border. But any type of negotiation, again, I, I have a hard time. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here because I like James Langford. I think he's relatively decent. I think that anybody that's advocating for 5,000 to 7,500, whatever the idea, whatever the news is of illegal immigrants crossing the border before we decide that there's an emergency and we lock down the border and giving ultimate amnesty with a green card to anyone that's come here over the last three and a half years that sums near 10 million individuals. I have a hard time accepting the fact that James Langford or any Republican for that matter would be on board with that. That's a non-starter. And if it is part of the negotiation, then it reaffirms my idea that we have completely lost the ability to actually negotiate and compromise and sit at the table with Democrats. Are they really that tough? Are they really that strong at negotiating to where we cower to the point that we allow 5,000 a day to come in? And that's the agreement. So I'm assuming that they started with open borders. 
and we started with no illegal immigrants coming in. That's the starting point. And then we agreed on 5,000 a day. Oh, why not? Okay, fine. 5,000 before we finally shut it down. Operationally, how does that even work? With thousands of miles of southern border, how can you say, well, we hit 5,000, 5,000 to one's about ready to come through, shut that down all over the nation? Like, how does that, how do you do that? We have to make sure the border's secure. We lock it down. We only allow people to come through ports of entry, not squeezing through fence lines, not jumping over fences, not cutting wired fence, which is what the feds want to do right now. Not allowing any of that. We only allow through ports of entry and through a legal process. We only allow amnesty or we allow the uh, the refugee status from someone that's actually from a nation that qualifies to be a refugee, which would be Mexico or which would be Canada. Period. End of story. Because refugee status, asylum seekers, can only, international law, only go to the nation next to them. Not have a caravan riding on the top of a train through five different nations to get to where we need to be after they flew halfway around the world from China or from Russia or from other places to get to Mexico to be able to do that. That doesn't work that way. We don't allow that. And if we're trying to redefine that, then we have some really bad negotiators. And that's when you walk away from the conversation and you say, sorry, Democrats, this is not going to happen. And because this isn't happening, your funding for Ukraine isn't happening. You have to be serious about coming to the table. And the fact that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and all these other Democrats are giddy about this bill shows how bad this actually is. Come on, guys. Come on. Republicans, we can do a lot better. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.